Well, I have a couple of spare babies here. Does anyone want a baby to hold while I talk? No. No? You can manage? Oh, Aisha, would you like me? <laughs> so I'm speaking to everyone today, and um, it might help to think about how to concentrate, and it might be good to ask God to help us, don't you think? Let's pray and ask God to help us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can be here today and we thank you for Christmas and all the good news that it brings to us. Help us now to quiet ourselves, to quiet our hearts and minds so we can hear the good news and give us soft hearts so that we can respond to become more like your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So some of the older kids too, in the order of service, is the passage that Deanna read. And I'm going to be asking you to find the bits as we go along. So if you sit with one of the leaders um, or with your mum or dad or someone, you can follow along with the passage. What page is it on, Anna? Page five and six. Okay. Now, that story that Deanna read us is a strange story, isn't it? You might be used to it, but actually, it's pretty strange. It's not a fairy tale. It doesn't start with once upon a time, but actually, some really unusual things happen in the story, things that we don't see very often, things that we wouldn't expect to see. But Luke, who wrote the story, really wants us to understand that these things actually happened. They happened in a certain time and a certain place. So let's have a look and try and imagine where this is. It happened about 2,000 years ago, a bit more than 2,000 years ago, so a long time ago, in the Middle East, that part of the world we call the Middle East. And the Roman emperor at the time was a man called Augustus, and he was a very powerful man. He ruled over many different nations and controlled a lot of land. And he wanted to know how much, so he ordered a census. Everyone, he wanted to count everybody. And everybody had to go back to the town that they came from and be counted. And so the story takes place in a little town called Bethlehem, which was a very important town to some people that the emperor was ruling over, the Israelites, who we learn about in the Old Testament, don't we? We hear about Ruth this year, and we heard about the kings. And this was the birthplace of King David, who was for the Israelites the best ever king that they could remember. And they really longed for for a time to come when they would have a king like David again. And God had promised them, yes, one day I'm going to send a king to you, just like David. He's going to be born where David was born, and he's going to bring peace and rule over you again, just like in those days. Because at this time, the Israelites were fed up. They were being ruled by the Romans, and they weren't in charge of their land. So they were really, really waiting for this, for God to keep his promise. So this is where the story is. And Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, had gone to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was from. He was uh, on the family tree of King David. And I reckon it would have been quite a lot like Christmas. It would have been like a big family reunion. All of Joseph's relatives were coming into town and they were all catching up with each other. And I feel a bit for Mary because she was probably meeting people for the first time. She was very young and very pregnant and it would have been, I reckon, a bit tricky. But Luke doesn't tell us too much. The one thing he does tell us is that something goes a bit wrong with the accommodation. They don't have somewhere to stay. And I reckon Joseph's relatives were putting up a lot of spare beds in their houses, but somehow they're still short. 
And what Luke tells us is that they end up staying somewhere where there are also animals. Sometimes we guess that that's a stable, but probably it was like a downstairs room in one of the relatives' houses where they used to bring in animals at night to feed and to sleep. So it's not ideal, is it? And especially not when you're just about to have a baby. Definitely not in the birth plan, I think. So Mary has the baby, she has Jesus, and I like what she does next because she has to improvise. So she takes the baby and who's got a baby with them? Can you see how the babies are tightly wrapped up today? That's what they did. We do that too. I've seen baby Rosalie come in today and she's wrapped up tight because it makes the baby feel nice and safe, doesn't it? And warm and they can sleep well. So Mary wraps up her baby and she doesn't have a bed to put him in. So where does she put him? In a manger. What's a manger? It's, well, she makes it into a bed, but it's a feeding trough for animals. That's how we know they're staying with the animals, because of this. So I hope they put some fresh straw in, don't you? And I hope someone took the animals out that night. We don't know. Luke doesn't actually tell us very much. He just tells us that the baby was born and Mary laid him in a manger. And the thing is, Luke wants to tell us about something else. Something much more exciting, can you believe it, is going on outside Bethlehem in the fields. What happened? Can you remember what happened next in the story? You might need to have a look. See if you can find it. About verse 8. What's going on outside? Okay, let's have a look at verse 8. There were some shepherds in the field. Shepherds looking after their sheep. And these guys were shift workers. Well, actually, they always worked at night. But if you're a shift worker, you know what it's like to be a shepherd. Because it's not fun going to work when everyone else is asleep. And the shepherds would go every night and look after sheep outside, no matter what the weather was like. And it was hard work. And they didn't get very pay paid very much at all. They uh, had to chase off wild animals who wanted to eat the sheep. They had to help the sheep find food because sheep aren't very smart. They had to get them unstuck when they got stuck in the river or between some rocks or something. It was hard work. And at the end of every night, they would have been very tired, very dirty and very smelly. And people didn't like shepherds very much, which is a bit sad because they worked so hard. But they were kind of looked down on because they had to go home and they slept. They didn't participate much in the society. And people who were religious particularly looked down on them because they didn't get to the synagogue. And they didn't have very much money, so they couldn't go and make impressive um, offerings at the temple. So these are the kind of people that you probably wouldn't trust with something very important. But God is not like us, is he? God often does things that are really surprising and chooses people that we wouldn't choose. And God decided that these shepherds were the perfect people to tell about the birth of Jesus. All right, and how does he do it? How did he tell them? He wants to make it very clear and he sends them... Yes, thanks. An angel. That must be my angel in the back row there. He sends them an angel. Wow. Have you ever seen an angel? Yeah? No. When we think about angels, we think about cute little, like, chubby babies often, don't we, with wings. Sweet. 
and um, cuddly. I don't know. But actually, angels in the Bible, we can tell from this passage, are very different because what is the first thing the angel has to say? Don't be afraid. These guys are afraid. These tough shepherds are afraid. So this angel we know, we can hear, we say, we say, the passage says that the glory of the Lord shone around, very, very shiny, first of all, this angel, hard to look at. But also, angels don't appear very often. So when an angel appears to you, you get a bit scared because you're thinking, why me? I reckon, why me? Is this good or bad? What's going to happen? What's about to happen? Because when God sends an angel, he wants to make something very clear. He sent an angel to Mary in chapter 1 to tell her that she was going to have a baby, which was very surprising for her. And he told her that he would be God's son. And now he comes to the shepherds, this angel. It might be a different angel, we're not sure. And has a message for them. So the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. And then the next thing that the angel says is, this is good news. Isn't God kind? The way he sends his message. Don't be afraid. It's good news. All right. And it's not just good news for you, shepherds. It's good news for all the people. We're in about verse 10, if you want to have a look. And what is the news? The angel says, This very day in Bethlehem, in David's town, your Saviour is born, Christ the Lord. That is the best news they've heard in a long time. It's like when you get to Christmas Day and you open that present and it's exactly what you wanted, but you didn't dare dream. When God sends Jesus into the world, he sends that saviour they've been longing for for hundreds of years. And for these guys who are not liked, even by their own people, that's pretty good news. And they're being told. So can you imagine how they felt? Really, really excited. And then the angel says one last thing. The angel says, and this is what will prove it to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I think that's a bit funny, actually. I mean, that is the funny thing that Mary had to do because she didn't have a bed for Jesus. And God is going to use it as a special sign, a proof to the shepherds of who Jesus is. And I reckon there were a lot of babies in Bethlehem that night and they had to find the one. And so this is the special sign. And they go out, don't they? They are excited. They go off to find Jesus. And they're probably asking, is there a baby here? Is there, oh, that one's not in a manger. That, finally, they find him in the manger. And the special sign is for them, but it's also for Mary and for Joseph. Because when they tell them all the things that the angel has said, Mary and Joseph also see that this is a sign that God is still on track. Things might look a bit out of plan for them. But God is still in control and Jesus is still the baby that God promised to send them. And Luke says that this becomes a very special memory for Mary. And I think probably in the years to come when Jesus grew up and she saw him go out and start teaching and doing all the things that he did and then when people turned on him and he died and rose again, that those are the kind of memories she would have been thinking about, that the angel had come and that God was in control. So that's the story, isn't it? Is it? No? Yep, the baby's born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph call him Jesus. God's keeping his promises. 
Jesus is going to grow up to be the saviour and ruler of God's kingdom. And the message starts to spread, first with the shepherds, to tell everyone, and they're all amazed. But I've skipped one bit. Well, that's not in the story that we read today, but yeah, that comes a bit later, the wise men. But there was a little bit that I missed. Did anyone notice? About verse 13. Because after the angel tells them the message, God throws a big party. He doesn't say to the shepherds, go, 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 go. Get on track, on task, do it. Go and tell everyone, my king is born. First of all, he takes a little rest and he throws a big party. And he sends to them, it says, an army of angels who come down. Now, if you were scared by the first angel, I wonder what it would have looked like for a massive... For the skies, it's like the skies were filled with an army of angels who I gather would probably be normally fighting somewhere, but not tonight. Because this thing that God has done is about bringing peace. And these angels come to sing. And I wonder what that sounded like. These guys are pretty good, but I reckon that this, this one-off gig for a private audience of shepherds would have been mind-blowing. And what do they sing? They sing this song. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom to whom he... Oh, it's hard to say this. I wonder if they say it right. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. Their song sums up exactly what's happening right at that moment because when Jesus comes into the world, God's promised King and Saviour, two things are going on. First of all, it is a glorifying of God. It shows us how much God loves us, that he would send his Son, that he would come to be with us. And it shows that he is committed to us. But secondly, it marks the start of a new era. So the the armies come in peace and Jesus comes to bring an era of peace and rule to people forever. Not just like King David for a while, but to people forever. And to people with whom God is pleased, it says. So that's a bit worrying, isn't it? I wonder who that is. Well, if he starts with the shepherds, who no one else is pleased with, and we are sitting here today... 2,000 years later, in a school in Clifton Hill, and none of us, well, maybe a couple of us, but most of us don't come from King David's family tree or an Israelite family tree, then you have to say that God wants to extend his grace far and wide and high. And that is really good news and really exciting. So there's lots of things in the story that we could respond to, but I want us to think about this party And I want us to think about how we can celebrate the coming of Jesus. And first of all, I want to talk to the kids. You kids are really doing well, can I say? And I want to ask you to think about something this Christmas. Because I think in the next week, lots of lovely things are going to start happening, if they haven't already. There might be some Christmas parties. Yeah, You might get to be with people that you love, special people in your life. You might even get a present or more than one. I don't know what happens in your family, but that's the kind of thing that happens. And it's very exciting. I don't need to tell you guys how to celebrate, but I want to ask you to do one thing. I want you to see if you can remember to say thank you. You're probably pretty good at saying thank you to people, but when you're celebrating Christmas this year, do you think you could say thank you to God? 
because every time something good happens and every time we celebrate at Christmas, we are celebrating Jesus coming for us. Jesus, our super saviour, and Jesus, our mighty, mighty king. All right, so let's try and remember. You can pray anytime. Maybe you'll do that with your family, or maybe you'll remember in your head when you receive a present, you'll say, thank you, and you'll say, thank you, God, for Jesus. Or maybe you'll think of another way that you can do that. And if you let me know, I'm going to put a list together. And we'll pop it in the email this week. Now, for everyone else, I feel like I should say exactly the same thing. <laughs> Except it's harder for you. Grown-ups are not as good at this as kids, unfortunately. And I was thinking about this this week because it occurred to me that no one asks me anymore, Beck, what are you hoping for for Christmas? Do you know what they ask me? Beck. Are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> the answer's always no, by the way, to that question. I don't like that question. I actually like the first question. Do you like the first question? What are you hoping for for Christmas? I would like to know when the switch happens so we can reverse it. Because I think if someone asked me, what are you hoping for for Christmas, I know what I would say. And I'm going to tell you, I am hoping for some spiritual refreshment. Because I'm tired. And so are some of you, I know. And maybe a bit burnt out. And maybe the end of the year is rushing at you. And there's a lot of things to do. A lot of things to finish. And a lot of things to get ready. If you're the person organising Christmas. And it's kind of nice. And we're kind of going like this. But actually, those might be good things. But there's an excellent thing that we can do. And that is to celebrate Jesus coming into the world. Like God did like the angels did that night. And I think if you want to join me in this, it's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to involve making a time in your schedule in the next week on Christmas Day where you're going to think about these things again and ask God to be with you. Ask God to make this real for you. Ask God to bring you his peace. Reflect on the fact that our God is a celebrating God that that is his first order of business when Jesus is born. So, well, I'd like to know if anyone's got other ideas about that too. It'll look different for different people. You might be singing Heart to Herald Angels Sing in the Shower. I don't know what it's going to be. But um, think of some way that you can really celebrate Jesus coming and ask God to refresh you at this time. Well, that's almost the end. But there has been a perplexing thing for me this week as I've thought about this passage. And it came right at the beginning of the passage when Luke is telling us where it all happens. Because right now, in that part of the world, there is not much peace, is there? And maybe when you read these stories, you wonder, were the angels right? Did Jesus really bring peace and God's rule into this world when he was born? Or maybe you're wondering, is it right to celebrate these things when other people are suffering, people there, people closer to us? Is it right to celebrate? And I want to give you a short answer, which I think is from the Bible, and then I want to encourage you with some words from Christians who are living in Aleppo right now. And the first thing I want to say, which I think is what the Bible teaches us, is that Jesus' rule and his bringing of peace is not about taking over human rulers and, and um, some kind of conquest of an empire. That didn't happen, did it? Jesus didn't do that. That surprised people. 
But he comes and he brings peace to us with God. It's something that happens. It's something that transforms the lives of people and communities of Jesus all around the world. And it's hard to live 2,000 years away from when that happened, but the good thing about that is that we can see what's happened in the meantime. Those rules like um, the emperor, they rise and fall, don't they? That's a good thing to remember in the world. Human leaders, human kingdoms don't last forever. But Jesus' reign of peace has spread and his rule is in the hearts and minds of many people and many people across the world. And uh, I don't know if any of you subscribe to the Open Doors updates, which is a, um, a ministry to the persecuted church in the world, but a couple of things have really encouraged me this week, and I just thought I'd read from these people to encourage you. So this is from a Christian pastor, this was just yesterday, who is um, in Aleppo and has just decided he's going to stay. And he tries to explain it. He said, I feel a calling of God. He wants me to be here till the end, as long as there is work to do in Aleppo. It wasn't an easy decision. We have passed through very difficult situations. And we don't know why, but we feel such a peace and a hope. It's like God is giving us a double grace. It's very real for him, God's peace and rule. And then this last one is from a youth and kids pastor, 21-year-old in Aleppo. And last year at Christmas, his village, just when they were about to do the Christmas service with the kids, the village was attacked. And they were um, safe, the kids, uh, but they didn't know what to do. What do we do? And do you know what they did? They thought the first thing we should do is celebrate Christmas. So they went ahead and they celebrated Christmas with the kids. And this is why. He says, I can't leave this country in a big mess. I want to leave a message for these war kids, he calls them. We have to think of the future. We have to present Jesus Christ to the children. We won't stop doing so. Nothing can stop us because we do it in the power of God. What do they do? We take the children to safe areas, to camps, and we sing a lot of praise songs. It makes our souls and our faith grow stronger. Yes, we have our problems in Syria, but all over the world, people have problems. There is no Christian with no problems in their life. I'm so encouraged by these people. I hope you are too. Let me pray for us all. Let's pray. Our loving God, we are tired, we have our problems, and we're aware that there is a lot of pain in this world. But we're so encouraged by these words. And we're so encouraged to reach Christmas and to remember that you sent your son Jesus into the world to make peace and to rule in our hearts and in our lives forever. And we long for the day when that is everywhere, that peace and rule. But in the meantime, we ask, help us to celebrate, bring us joy and hope this Christmas and help us to be refreshed so we might keep serving you in the year ahead. Amen.